fiction addict and something monster i've got nothing lover. else I, I labeled lover. you as monster lover in the last one okay monster lover works um i've just been reading a lot of fan fiction that has replaced the dating sims since last time wow sophisticated yeah you could just read romance like you could just read romance i novels. will not do like, it there's so many Weird romance novels that you could be reading. Like, you're, you you don't want to read boring hetero romance? I get that, dog. I do. But there's a whole kaleidoscope of romance out there for you. Just waiting. But it's not exactly the flavor I'm looking for. It and exists. by that, I mean my comfort characters being held by other characters. All right, well. I, I will consider your offer. I, mean, I, I know you have told me titles, and I have looked them up, and I've been like, oh, I could probably, probably get into that. And you've probably dismissed everything I've ever said to you. I have the the tab open, right? And I'm like, okay, maybe I will come back to this at some point once I lose every single fan fiction I have ever read. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Once I've gone through all of those. Yeah. Well, um, I'm going to... I was going to say I'm going to try not to take offense to that, but I'm deeply offended because I'm a professional podcaster and you have not taken my recommendations. I have authority on the subject <laughs> and you choose fan fiction over me. Yeah. Uh, I can't even blame you. I choose fan fiction too, probably. <laughs> I just, I'm so used to reading exclusively romance novels now that it is strange for me to have completely subsumed the place of fan fiction in my life because mm-hmm. fan fiction took up so much of my life for so long it feels so weird that like the other night we watched labyrinth i watched labyrinth for the first time and i had always seen it peripherally you know as something that a lot of people who liked the things i liked they found it very foundational and i just happened to miss it right so i we watched it and then i was like okay, I guess I can, like, sort of see the appeal of this. Like, if I had been 12 when I watched this, it would have been my... I would have caught that flave. For sure. sure. But as it happens, I'm 25, and I looked it up, and I looked up all the fan fiction afterwards because I was curious how the fandom as a whole deals with certain aspects of the canon You're definitely flirting with the fact that it's kind of weird and gross that there seems to be some sort of romantic tension between the 16-year-old and David Bowie and his bulge. Yeah, his his swanging, dangling bulge there, huh? His very out-there penis. Yeah, definitely not wearing underwear. His peepee's just out there. His 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 Willis is is there. Mm-hmm. His, his Bruce Willis is dangling yeah. in front of us all, and also this child. Um, so I I was curious. So I went and looked it up, and I was not overly encouraged by what I saw. Very dedicated fan base. I can respect that, but it was. They don't they don't write it out as much as I would say write it out if it were me participating. Oh, that's the danger of of fan fiction, I think, is that you're going to fall into stuff that's, like, significantly more out there or just bad uh, and illegal. And one of those things being um, creepy pedophile fan fiction where 16-year-olds fuck probably immortal. He's definitely, I mean, he's supposed to be fae, right? Yeah, probably some sort of immortal. But definitely a grown-ass David Bowie. 
Mm. <laughs> yeah, a fully grown David Bowie, a, f- a ripened Bowie. A fully grown, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. This not even like the, oh, I am 18 now. Yeah, no. Uh, I, I, all this to say that I, I was looking at the fan fiction and I was, I felt no inkling at all to actually read any fan fiction. Of even, course. even once I was there, like on the site, I normally would have been like, well, let me check to see that the stuff I follow, if it's been updated, like nothing. I immediately was like, all right, back to a romance novel. And I think the crux of that is that I, now as an adult person who consumes things so violently and immediately, uh, all of my book count for the past four months, um, I cannot truck with anything unfinished. <laughs> I can't. I need to be able to read it all in one sitting or I'll die. <laughs> and I, I can't deal with it anymore. Well, that's why I filter away things that are not completed. But then you miss like so much. For sure, but I'm okay with that for until they finish their business and then I can read it. True, true. Speaking of unfinished. Mhm. Today we're talking about sort of to a degree mostly around Or Olympus, a currently ongoing webcomic that is so popular, <laughs> so so popular uh, that we both read. So we this is kind of a different. I can't uh, remember the name of the the author artist. So creator. her name, I here's what's messed up, is I did read ages ago that she she had like a pronunciation guide on her Twitter, and she's like, I you know it really bothers me when people get my name wrong. It's like this way, and I was like, oh, I'll remember that. And then the problem is when I remember things about names, once I read or hear about the way it's not supposed to be said, then it gets in there. And gets then in there. that's trapped in your yeah. your brain. So So I I believe her name is supposed to be pronounced Smith. It's spelled like Smythe. And I I don't I don't think that's right. It's spelled S M Y T H E. Her name is Rachel. Mm-hmm. Um I'm so sorry if I got that backwards and it's actually the other way around. <laughs> um, I her she's used Band-Aid on on Twitter. Uh, she's an incredible artist, um, freaking story machine, who has like become more like a one woman company and like hired a bunch of people to help her with her comic. And she just got a deal with Netflix to make her uh, comic Lore Olympus into a animated YA show for netflix um huge ups still very weird to me and we're gonna probably touch on this how how they're going to end up translating this into ya but i mean these are probably subjects that are like good for teenagers to talk about i mean there there there's this trend right of like gritty tv shows and media for for ya right where they're i mean Oh, I hate that the first thing that comes to mind is Riverdale. That's not what I'm talking about. That, like, ghoulish, campy, uh, <laughs> you know? That's, it's not. But... I have never seen a single episode of Riverdale, but I am haunted by it in my, like, recommendations on YouTube. Just, like, clips of it will show up. Just, yeah. like, here's a crappy clip of Riverdale. And it's like, I don't want to watch this. Uh and then, obviously, as someone who's queer and discusses queer baiting a lot, Riverdale will constantly come up uh, in conversation. But it will be a relief for Laura Olympus if they continue to have all the queer relationships that are kind of, like, manifesting there. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, I mean, it's... I'm a fan of uh, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which 
deals with a lot of like it is in the same universe as Riverdale, which is troubling. But um they they do deal with like a lot of sexuality and gender differences and and also a lot of murder and Satan and in one all. Um as as you do when you're a teenager. Um and it's very ham fisted, but also like fuck it. Like, you know, yeah. it's it's not meant for the me. It's not it's not meant for an adult to is unfair to start looking at it and going like, oh, well, that's not as nuanced as I think it should be. Like, man, if it's fun and the kids are getting it, something out of it, like, whatever. Cool. Um, that being said, Lore Olympus is pretty nuanced. Um, I wouldn't have ever classified it as, like, a young adult Yeah, comic. that's not where my brain is. But I'm also, I, I was talking to Fred this morning about how odd it is for me sometimes to think about how webtoons are so... I don't know. The range is is really the range is huge and also mainstream. I I don't know why it was kind of just like when I first saw the app, I was just very dismissive yeah. of it because it was just like okay, it looks like a cheapo like web hosting, you know, uh, comic site. Not even remotely yeah. interested. And then I ended up finding like quite a few actually really good web comics on yeah. there, like with really well done art. And I think the problem was I kept seeing stuff that I just was never going to be interested yeah. in. I think, well, Webtoon pushed Lore Olympus really, really hard. I think it was one of their flagship, like, big mainstream comics. Mm -hmm. And it's a South Korean company. And they also, as far as I'm aware, at least at least when I was looking into it a couple of years ago, they had a very, uh, not like, oh, I guess it's maybe not fair to call it a rigorous process, but there was a vetting process for when something would be posted. Like, mm -hmm. so there's a kind of quality filter I don't know about now because there's a lot more on there now. I don't know if yeah. they have the capacity to be as selective as they used to be, but they put a lot of money behind their flagships. And Laura Olympus, is, I remember seeing ads for it all the time, which is why I finally yeah. got into it. Because today, not only are we talking about Laura Olympus specifically, but we are also talking about the wider story archetype trope theme of Death and the Maiden, which mm -hmm. is one of my personal favorites because I love me a personified death. I love it. Oh, yeah, me too. So good. One of my first crappy short films that I don't think I ever actually finished completely was a Death and the Maiden type thing mm -hmm. where it was a death personified, blah, 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 blah. So heavy handed and like heavy handed, obnoxious. Up its own butt. Yeah. yeah I love it. I love it. But, but all Death and the Maiden is just like a little up Just like a little butt. bit. Um, I want to mention Up Top, one of my favorite books that has come out in the last several years, but actually was just released officially um, on I think October 8th or 9th. Um, is a book called The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue um, by V.E. Schwab. And it is... I, I was trying to see if I could shoehorn it into being Death and the Maiden. Mm -hmm. And it has elements, like it's... But it's not the myth of Hades and Persephone, which is really what we're going to be talking about today. Um, but it is... The main character is a woman who makes a deal with us, essentially the devil to... Uh, escape a marriage in like the early 1800s or whatever in, in France, um, forced marriage. And she says, you know, I'll, I'll do anything. Just let me get out of here. I just let, let me have my life. And she offers her soul. and The devil says, no, I don't want your soul. Why would I want that? I've got tons of those. I need it. Um, and she goes, well, well, I don't know what to offer you. And he's like, well, you need to offer me something better. 
And so she offers him a challenge. She says, fine, get me out of this and I'll give you my soul, but only when I don't want it anymore. So the devil goes, juicy. <laughs> and he he gives her what, he, what she wants, but in the way that she didn't expect, which is that no one can ever remember her. So she's able to get out of her marriage because suddenly she doesn't exist. No one can remember her for more than a few seconds at a time. And it kind of bounces back and forth between, like, her life over the centuries and her life currently in the United States um, as a person who just doesn't exist and who tries to find her identity amongst the shadows of the world and in memories that she has but no one else does. Um, she tries to find love. And it's a really amazing book. It made me cry. like it made me cry really hard. <laughs> and uh, it was pitched to me at an author dinner with V.E. Schwab and several other authors and um, she pitched it as a romance with death as the main uh, hero and also the main villain. And I was like, oh, yes. And so I had to like badger the rep to get me <laughs> a galley for it. And mm -hmm. I finally got my hands on it. And like then the freaking COVID happened. So I couldn't get my physical copy. So I had to then get a, a digital copy instead. And it was like a whole thing. Um, and it and it's it's a wonderful book. So all that to say, Isthmus, you know? Mm -hmm. I just also like soft women with like big death man who is soft for her. Yeah. I mean I, or, I'm or into, whatever variation. Yeah, I'm it. into just death as like it's a weird weird abstraction or like inhabiting a man or even just a skeleton and somehow we still fall in love. I'm into that. Oh, you mean Fane from Divinity 2, Original Sin, Definitive Edition? He's definitely not <laughs> death. But yes, pretty much I am into to fucking skeletons specifically. Yeah. Um, not a necrophile boned? kind of... I am into getting boned. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay. So we've, we've, we've done our intro. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give the most basic of basic versions of the Hades and Persephone myth, which is kind of where Death and the Maiden comes from. I'm sure it's an archetype that has been in every culture, everywhere, always, from uh, the beginning yeah. of time. There's some sort of version of a, reminders of death, dance macabre, whatever. Yeah, yeah. With like a, a pretty lady representing life, yada, yada, yeah. yada. Um, but in case you don't know, which I can't imagine a life where I do not know everything about Greek myths. <laughs> I, I can't I, can't imagine that alternate universe. Uh, the obnoxious amount of Greek mythology that I had to read in in high school, yeah. in middle school, uh, I I have been haunted by Greek and Roman mythology my entire life. Yeah. Um, we don't learn about any other kind of mythology no. other than Greek. It's very. I got a brief lesson on like Buddhism and like religions of the world. But I feel like we spent so much more time on, on Greek mythology, on fancy men in skirts. Yeah. As if they're, you know what? Let's just yeah, get into yeah, it. Yeah, moving on. Um, okay. So the myth. Persephone, daughter of Demeter and goddess of spring, is abducted by Hades, god of the underworld and of wealth, uh, to be his wife. Now, the resolution to this thing and... I, I've heard many different ways. There's like, there's a lot of good articles on the reframing of this myth, which I'll get into a little bit later. But there are some versions of the myth that I've heard where um, Demeter is so upset 
that she starts killing a bunch of people because everyone's mm-hmm. starving because she's the goddess of the harvest and uh, she's not letting anyone farm or anything and the world is frozen in winter. Yeah. So finally Zeus goes, ah, shit. <laughs> Gotta fix this because who's going to worship us if everyone dies? I'm going so to let this little lady out every once in a while. Yeah, so he, he goes he goes to Hades and he's like, but you got to give her back to her ma. You know, I know, listen, if anyone understands wanting to abduct a lady and and just bone down super hard, it's me, it's mm-hmm. Zeus, it's your brother. Uh, but you gotta, because everyone's like straight up dying. It's real grim out here. So Hades goes, fine. And he lets her go. But not before he tricks her into eating pomegranate seeds. And once she has eaten the food of the dead... Persephone is forever tied to the underworld, therefore necessitating her return every six months to her husband, Hades, and therefore creating the seasons of spring, summer, winter, fall, yada yada. Mm-hmm. Um, there's versions of the myth where Persephone chooses to to eat the pomegranate seeds because she do, does wish to return, but she must go to her mother so that not everyone don't die. Yeah. You know? There's versions of the myth where um, Persephone is tricked by somebody else in the underworld on behalf of Hades. There's just there's versions where it's like an accident. There's versions where Zeus doesn't intervene. Uh, there's like there's a lot. There's and and how this myth is framed. How like who chooses that point? Like everybody else seems to agree on everything except who chose to either give her the the pomegranate seeds whether she ate them herself and what you choose what version really says a lot about what this narrative means to you yeah i i find that i've i've seen multiple like even iterations of how she gets kidnapped right mm-hmm. other than obviously it's kidnapped she goes down consensually uh or she is raped yeah um and and that is an interesting one. Mm-hmm. The game I've been playing Hades. Mm-hmm. Um, we know, it, it, of course, <laughs> of course. Uh, it, I think Zeus kidnaps her. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> uh, Zeus kidnaps her for Hades mm. and brings her down, which I thought was an interesting kind of like, oh, okay. Right. I I. The- <laughs> I was going to say that uh, I would never trust Zeus to do something like that and still, like, return the woman that I asked him to kidnap for me, like, not pregnant already. (laughs) Um, But also, Persephone is technically his daughter, so... Yeah, not in the game, but, like, Hades doesn't consent to having this woman kidnapped for him, right? Uh. Um, So I find that interesting how people just develop the myth however they they want. Yeah. and you're right. I think it says something. I don't know if it necessarily, because I I don't know. I'm interested in the fact that people have developed this rape story into something else. Yeah, um, I think that's very telling. So I was looking into, you know, we we've had trouble not talking about this over the past couple of days. Um, but like I said to you earlier, I was looking into trying to find an exact moment in time or in media when the overwhelming interpretation of the myth in a Persephone herself um, became feminist, became a, an empowerment story, became a love story. Mm-hmm. And because that is kind of how I always viewed it. Um, even I think even when I read the versions of the myth that were grimmer, 
Um, I, I don't think I ever internalized it that way. I think I always was kind of like, oh, no, that one's that one's not right. <laughs> that one's not right. It was it was it was fine. It was fine. Um, and I and I don't know what that says about me personally. Uh, but, you know, I I I do find it very interesting that I couldn't find a definitive piece of media or uh, a sea change that was notable enough to to find evidence of. Um, but I would say in the last like. 30 years, maybe, uh, with the popularity of, like, Greek myths in, in media and, like, retellings and stuff, it's it's been the general trend toward, like, Hades is a simp and, <laughs> and Persephone doms, like, you know, like... I, I, I think it's also just kind of, like, we as a culture need to sanitize these these gods mm. to to share them mm-hmm. um because it's not attractive it's not a good look it's not attractive to have rape as part of the story yeah. of of these characters like zeus in every sort of of there's no iteration, getting around that one there's no getting around it but there is i mean you sanitize him to the point where you don't bring up the fact that he's having all of these nasty affairs he's just the god of gods and by that we mean it's just like christian god but thunderbolt you know it's funny because i've never fred kind of said the same thing to me the other day when we were watching when he forced me to watch the blood of zeus Mm -hmm. and zeus was revealed and his whole like look was revealed and he was like well that's not what i expected him to look like and i was like what are you talking about he's like well i was expecting like you know big white beard and all this stuff like christian god looking imagery and i have never ever ever in my life viewed zeus as being like that i've always known him as the flanderer like terrible person who like does horrible stuff all the time well yeah and and i mean i've always been exposed to that mythology so automatically in every iteration i've known zeus is this but yeah i have seen the media and 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 hercules for instance a disney movie it's just like yeah it's pretty much just like christian god with thunderbolt yeah but like fun and kooky but fun and kooky and way less powerful because it's just like let stuff happen all the time and has to have his like baby son fix things yeah whatever you know um recently i think we've been kind of going to like oh this these characters are dicks yeah right but but generally when we're looking at gods in media we're kind of just like uh gotta clean that up a little bit yeah and and i don't know I didn't view it necessarily. I'm not saying you're wrong in any way. But when I was doing research for it, I wasn't looking for when did we sanitize this story? And it was more when did we decide collectively that the story meant something different, Mm -hmm. right? When did we decide to interpret it as a love story a la Laura Olympus, which is a wholly reimagined version. Um, But, you know, I, I... I was really interested to know when we decided that. And I think, this is my little theory here. I've been stewing on this for a couple of weeks. I think it has something to do with the coinciding of the popularity of romance novels and the very specific trope, which was in most of these early, early romance novels. And I'm talking the flame and the flower business, right? Mm -hmm. The core... A lot of those romance novels, I'd say the vast majority, was, to some extent... Kidnapping. Kidnapping, yes, but coming of age. 
the woman comes of age through the facilitating of an older man who usually does something terrible to her from the start and learns to love her. And she has grown up as a human woman <laughs> under this man's onslaught. Yeah. And and I when I realized that, I was like, oh, that's just Hades and Persephone. Because the <laughs> even in the myth, right? Persephone does not get her name until she becomes Hades' bride. Her original name is Kore, yeah, which is maiden, and and that is just it's child. And I was looking up a definition for that, and because I was obviously went down a freaking rabbit hole with this whole thing, right? And I found a really interesting definition from "Death and the Maiden" by Ken Dowden, um, and it's kind of old, so there's probably some like messed up stuff in it. But it had a pretty good definition for this. Kore, which I have translated as girl is for our purposes scarcely different from parthenos, and there is even a corresponding verb for deflower. However, core also denotes a relationship. To be somebody's core is also to be their daughter. Its contrast with gine is therefore rather more specific that, that, uh, than that of the parthenos, and the contrast reveals the transfer of authority over the woman. Once her father's core, she now becomes her husband's gine. Mm -hmm. That is just a coming-of-age story. Yeah. A fucked up one. <laughs> An extremely fucked up one. And I and I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, that that changes it a little. Um, and obviously there's a lot of nuance here. There's a lot of Death of the Maiden style stories that do not involve really a coming of age. Persephone and Hades? Very. 100%. It's something that it's always going to make me a teeny bit uncomfortable with that story. Is it's just like, uh, and I, I even discuss this with you about yeah. Laura Olympus like yeah. when we started talking about it and when I finally read it I was immediately like the author brought attention to the age difference and I was stuck yeah uh like immediately just stuck on it because yeah. it was just like oh this is gross she's, this is she's 19 she's a child yeah dragged into this man's house technically without consent right yeah it doesn't matter. I am uncomfortable. She essentially, the meat cute in Lore Olympus is that Hades sees this unknown goddess at a party. Says and, she's a babe. Yeah, says she's freaking radical and uh, is overheard by Aphrodite, who is immediately super pissed that someone would uh, be more beautiful than her or be perceived as more beautiful. Well, he, he said it with yeah. like the insult. Of yeah, he did. He did mess up real bad. And so she has her son essentially roofie her mm -hmm. and put her in the back of Hades's car as a kind of prank to be like, oh, you wanted her so bad. Here she is. Now explain how you ended up with this 19-year-old girl in the back seat of your car. Yeah. Um. And and he doesn't do anything. And it's like he's very gentle. He takes her home, puts her to bed her very politely. Yeah. It's fine. But, but as it stands, she is... In Lore Olympus specifically, she is new to this world. She's a country girl. She's mm -hmm. grown up in the mortal realm. She's not grown up amongst these all very sophisticated gods with their, you know, they live in essentially a city, like a modern city. Yeah, she's supposed to be joining this, like, virginal group. She's um, starting college. Mm -hmm. She's super overprotected by her mother. She's a massive overachiever uh, who's, you know, done nothing but school and chess championships her whole life. Um, 
and and she meets Hades, who is a many thousands of years old god, head of like Hades Corp, essentially. (laughs) Um, and it's so it's it it is really, you know, crystallized in Lore Olympus, but it's it's definitely a thread of it in every version of this myth and every like uh, trope. I could find that this this coming of age story of a woman losing her girlhood and her innocence at the hands of an older man who represents death, uh, you know, like that's I don't know what to do with that information now that it, I have it, but it but it's there. It, it, I I think the thing for me is then it makes the the death and the maiden thing feel much more vulnerable, whereas I've kind of always interpreted that myth in. A slightly different way, I Mm -hmm. guess, where it's just like, oh, okay, death is something that brings us all to our knees. Like, yes, it takes us all. It takes even the most pure and innocent and beautiful women, blah, 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 blah. But simultaneously, death gets brought down a little bit by humanity, right? Um, There is some humanity here that we all share. And it's that same, like, memento mori. Remember death, but it's, like, it can be beautiful and And lovely and Even death is subject to the whims of love and of wanting things, Death in itself is something romantic, right? Mm -hmm. And and I've always really enjoyed that, where it's just kind of, like, in the same way that I kind of like the idea of, like, monsters, right, that are brought down by, by humanity and love, I think the same kind of applies with death where it's just like, Oh, I like these stories because it's just like, yes, this is a thing mm-hmm. that feels very vulnerable automatically. Yeah. Whereas sometimes with the myth of Hades and Persephone, it's like, Oh God. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yikes. And so in, in this light, it was interesting to then go back and look for, you know, interpretations of the myth that had Persephone as something of a feminist icon. Mm. I was like, how do you, how do you flip that? I mean, I, I can kind of see flipping it in the terms of like, who chose to eat the the pomegranate seeds? If you say that Persephone chose it, that is in itself an act of empowerment, right? She she was making a choice. She she wanted to stay with this man. Okay, all right, okay. If Beauty you choose... and the Beast Stockholm yeah, Syndrome. If, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If if you, I I almost got into Beauty and the Beast with this, and then I was like, nah. Um, if you're willing to interpret it that way, sure. But if if you're looking at it through the lens of it being a coming of age story, there's a lot of evidence for it, right? Because she goes from Corey to Persephone, and she goes from basically a flower maiden, you know, to she she was just an extension of her mother to a the queen of the underworld the dread queen the one who had the cult that was so secretive we still don't know what they did to this day um and and i i can see how you can turn that into a feminist thing i i can understand and i and in a lot of ways that's my impulse too to be like fuck it i'm just gonna throw out you know the raunchy stuff and i'm just gonna embrace this because it's more fun and it speaks to me more and this is just the interpretation i'm choosing you know, you're given a pile, pick one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd rather choose the one that's fun, right? And not For sure. So deeply not grim. <laughs> yeah. However, it's rarely framed in terms of being a coming-of-age story, even though when I was looking into it, when I was looking at these articles discussing this, I found a lot of language that really crystallized that. And I don't think... I, I, I don't know if anyone is really... People are very hard 
on romance novels for having the coming-of-age element. And I don't know if they are as hard on this very, very fun trope with this exact same element to it. Um, I read an article on the Mare Sue by Princess Weeks. And her, like, last paragraph, I think, really summed up uh, this sea change in imagery and this kind of, I guess you could say, a sanitization of uh, the coming-of-age trope. Um, so it was, Persephone comes into herself as a woman and as a queen through this story, and instead of framing it as a violation on top of a violation, there is desire to transform Persephone into more than just a victim. Allowing Persephone to take control of her own destiny is a better ending to that story than her just being tricked. Which I think is, like, so telling. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I, this isn't a criticism of, of anyone who chooses to look at it this way. It's also not necessarily a criticism of the coming-of-age trope. But I do find it very interesting that the, we have the popularity today of... Things like Lore Olympus and a book I read recently called Infernal, which is just Hades and Persephone. Um, literally Hades. <laughs> That's him. Mm-hmm. Um, and and many others. I asked my friends for recommendations for their favorite interpretations. They were mostly unhelpful. Paige said something about the Medusa roller coaster, and I told her I'd give her an honorable mention. There it is. <laughs> but I, I, I think if we're going to embrace the popularity of this and, and reimagine it, you also have to take a critical look at what the coming-of-age trope is. Yeah. Particularly in framed in being abducted by a by an older man and dragged against my will to, you know. I mean, he's a god of wealth, so maybe it's not all bad. <laughs> yeah. This is Abigail advocating yeah. for a wealthy man to kidnap her. Please! Um... Just don't murder me on my own submarine, please. And feed her fruit, I guess. Yeah. Feed me fruit. I mean, I I think Laura Olympus handled it the best way it could, yeah. um, which was that Hades didn't even want this to happen. The, the whole interaction is very sweet and soft, and he politely takes her home. Soft boy. Um, I don't know if I will ever get past the edge of creepiness to stories like this, right? Where it's just like, I love Death and the Maiden. Hades and Persephone, I love the story. I like Hades and I like Persephone. I've always found that story very intriguing, but I think that there's always going to be an edge of like, oh. Well, because it's, and, and I think Rachel Smith, she does a really, really good job of like she's deliberately making you uncomfortable in a yeah. lot of ways. She she deliberately hammers home that it's an issue and that it's they are coming from two vastly different places and they have a lot of trouble communicating. And I I really respect the hell out of that as a storyteller because that's not easy. It's much much easier to just be like, yeah, it's a thing, but it's fine. We got past it. We're gonna it. hand wave She's an it adult. It's, it's okay. fine. But like I I think it's. I don't know. I like I, I have trouble reconciling this thing because it's uh, the power imbalance is is so tough for me to get past. And I think that's because you and I are coming from a very specific place of like knowing what it's like to have no power. Yeah. Um. And and a lot of women are a lot of, you know, 
LGBT people are, a lot of people of color are. We, I think we are more sensitive to this class imbalance, this age imbalance. Like when you step into a room with someone who has more power than you, you feel it. Automatically. And, and I think that in that sense, automatically when I read that mm-hmm. in you were like, Olympus, I was like, oh, no, vulnerable. Don't like that. Yeah. Get out. Get out. Get out. Yeah. I also understand that regardless, sometimes these relationships develop. Yeah. Um, and so I was able to kind of get past it and and keep reading and be engaged. But circling around to the whole of the, the death and the maiden thing, mm-hmm. I find it so much easier when it isn't framed so much as as coming of age. Yeah. See, that's what I really, really like about The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. I, I loved that it, at its core, this book is about a woman finding joy in her life. This woman who has had so much experience. This woman who has felt every heartbreak, who has lost everything every day of her life. She literally loses herself. No one can say her name because no one can remember her name. Mm-hmm. And yet she is still... Addie. She still has her strength. She still endures despite the constant, I wouldn't call it a threat, but the the presence of the person who can make it all end. You know, he's always watching her. He's always waiting for her to just be like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Right? And and she stubbornly continues on. And I, I found that book so absolutely hopeful despite its <laughs> incredibly sad nature. Yeah. Um, and I, I found it just, uh, Addie as a, as a person, I respected the hell out of because she just, she just did it when it was so, so hard. She just did it. And that's an adult person, right? That's a fully fleshed, fully realized human being who can make these choices and who stands on equal footing with the devil. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I lack that. You know, in 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 these in these books where where the, the, the woman power is, imbalance yeah. just feels a little off, and, and I think once again we circle back to like I like it when it's it's kind of treated in equal sense, like death is brought to its knees by humanity, yeah. and humanity is brought to its knees with death, but there is some sort of beauty, beautiful union there, right? Yeah. It is okay that that does not happen necessarily in in Hades and Persephone stories. Yeah, I I. I think in Laura Olympus, it's handled a little bit better where it's like, oh, Hades is kind of vulnerable with this, with this, like, younger goddess. Yeah. Um, But still. But it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. And you can either play on that as an author and really drive that as a point. Or completely disregard it, which thankfully is not done in Laura Olympus. Um, Yeah, no, I, I, I am happy to see this kind of story being so successful i guess where now the discussion is there yeah um and also i like greek mythology even though i'm going to complain about how much it is thrown at me it's fun constantly constantly if you like greek mythology uh a really great podcast to listen to is um let's talk about myths baby um it's just this really baller lady who retells the myths and reads like the Iliad and the Odyssey. I think she's going to be doing the Aeneid soon if she hasn't already um, which she despises the Aeneid. Hurts my heart because that's my favorite one but that's fine. Um, <laughs> but uh, she takes a very feminist look at these these myths and she doesn't sugarcoat them in any way. She just she just tells them like they are you know yeah. which is 
horrifying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so horrifying. Terrible. Favorite story though will always be the gold waterfall that doesn't impregnate the lady. I Poseidon creative. Very points creative. for that. And it was consensual. I I always really like the uh tree one, the one where they like age and become trees. I like that one a lot. I forget what it what it's called. Pig Pygmalion? No, know. Pygmalion was the uh was Pygmalion the, the, was the, the sculpture. The sculpture one. That one was gross. Yeah. Oh, I, I love I need to make my own lady. I must craft my woman. <sighs> You're her dad. You're her, You're dad, her dad at that point. Well, that's every You're man's dream. Is to, <laughs> is to say be, that. Is to be both that. father and husband. Ugh. Ugh. God. Ugh. I grossed myself out. I'm sorry. Ugh. I know. Sorry, bud. Not that sorry. But yeah, this is... It was a really interesting subject to look into. And um, it was interesting to kind of pick apart my own like biases that I had towards it because I've always really really loved the story and I've never looked at it critically um and it was it was interesting to look at it and be like huh when did I consume it as a feminist thing when did I consume it as a love story um and I don't know I don't know I I, yeah I I think it's interesting that you brought up like we all kind of collectively decided it was okay and it's like yeah a little bit yeah um like I, I'm obviously aware of the fact that it's rapey. Yeah. Um. But simultaneously, I've also just kind of been like, oh yeah. Well, it's also story. it's it's a really common trope the the act of kidnapping, mm-hmm. you know, your wife, uh, is a super common trope in romance novels on the whole. I've read so many sci-fi romances that begin with a kidnapping. It's just I just. I don't even notice it anymore. But I was thinking more about it, and I was thinking about how, you know, from probably around the dawn of time, right, from when we were in little clan groups, you mm-hmm. know, wandering the frickin' savannah or whatever the hell, we we were exchanging mates, right? And usually what happens is in hunter-gatherer groups, the woman is the one that leaves her group, and she goes to be with the man's group and mm-hmm. the man stays and you know which is why the woman takes a man's name in western culture and all this stuff right so the act of kidnapping a wife is so so old yeah you know of of going to war against another clan or even just forcefully taking your wife from her clan and putting her in yours and being like you're my wife now it's probably one of the oldest cultural stories we have I mean, thinking about, like, ape family groups, right? It's not that different. Yeah. So. You can interpret the story as less severe yeah. that way. Still hard for me. Yeah. For sure. But, yeah, I. it is a softer blow to to then imagine this is just, like, one of those ritual things that was just okay at the time. Yeah. And you know what? He wasn't. He would have asked to meet her. He would have asked her to marry her, but she would have said no because she said no to Apollo and to Hermes. So what what choice did he have? To put a fancy flower in the corner of the meadow, and then when she goes to pluck it up, he goes out of the ground. Single tear for for Hades. Poor soft boy Hades. Who just had to kidnap. You know, it's rough when your hands are so tied that you just have to kidnap the girl you like. Just gotta. Just gotta. Where's my kidnapper? 
Is that how we give me a boy? I don't know if you want to invoke that on your podcast. Listen, I never leave my house. (laughs) It's fine. Good luck. Her window is the one facing towards the street, so just don't invade the rest of the house. Don't worry about it. I have a guard dog. Oh, yeah. Mm, Babs is going to do a whole lot. Yeah. She will open the window. (laughs) And greet you lovingly. Yeah. Kiss you on the face and say thank you. There is no demeanor for Abigail. No. no one will come. My family will just be like, oh, thank God. I will say thank God. Yeah. Take her. Oh. Is it because I asked people to throw books at your head last time we were here? Yeah. Ah. Knew that come back to bite me in the butt. No. Yeah. Get kidnapped. Well, I don't, like, do you have any recommendations for uh, Death in the Maiden media that you like? that you? Because I, I try to come up with a list. I came up freaking dry, mostly. I mean, I... Remember, I really, at one point, really liked Meet Joe Black, but I don't know if I can recommend that movie ever. <laughs> I, I just, I think about Brad Pitt in that movie, and I'm just like, yeah, it's a, it's a fun movie. Mm. God, I wish I had more specific recommendations, um, but I don't. I It's hard. It's, it's hard, hard to find a strict one-to-one. There's a lot of, like, things where I was like, oh, well, maybe it's that. And then I kind of, like, toss it out because it, you know, it had a guy who was, like, death-ish, but, like, the rest didn't match. I was thinking about Beauty and the Beast and how it definitely has elements of Death and the Maiden, but it's but it's not, you know. Uh, one, one that is not Death and the Maiden technically but deals in death is this old Mexican film called Macario. And my mom showed it to me. And basically it's just, like an angel and the devil show up to this man who has uh i think it's a chicken or a turkey and who's eating it and they're like offer it to me because this or that and he ends up sharing it with death uh who then gives him a like liquid to help save the lives of whoever for a certain amount of time and becomes like a doctor and then in the end he dies blah 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 Mm -hmm. um and i think that that's a really interesting like okay deals with Death are always really interesting to me as well, where yeah. it's just like an exchange with death. Yeah. Where once again, we are met on equal ground and death is given a service by a person. Yeah. Right. Um, I enjoy that. It's a really good movie. Mm-hmm. Watch Macario. Uh, I, I don't think we talk about how death is dealt with in general throughout cultures and yeah. how it's kind of respectfully treated in other cultures other than america where it's like treated with a lot of fear Mm -hmm. rather than kind of respect and uh reverence yeah and i think a lot of that so you know i was looking for the origin right of of the death and the maiden and and uh, how it morphed out of the story of hades and persephone and i found that as far as i can tell it's like renaissance art um which was really interesting because it brought to mind this painting and I'm I'm absolutely going to blank on what the painting who the painting was by I believe it was by a Russian it looked Russian it had the Russian <laughs> style uh-huh. um and I can say that I'm an illustrator I know these things um it wasn't just people like walking around in like giant fur hats anyway um but it was a a it was not the traditional image of death in these renaissance paintings right it was, which is typically like either a gaunt man or it's like a super beefy dude dragging Persephone down or like, you know. My favorite ones are the ones where he kind of just like looks like a red fleshed ghoul. Yeah, or like a skeleton man in like yeah. a hood. 
Um, this one was an image of a uh, young woman holding a dead child in her lap in the field. And a woman stands over her in a white shawl, barefooted. On It's like in a, they're standing on like a path. And the woman is bending over the child and she has a sickle in her hand and it's kind of like lowered down. And she's looking at the child and it's very, and the mother is looking up. And the woman with the sickle and and the, the white shawl is death. Mm. And it's this really soft, lush painting with a lot of color and it's golden sunlight. And it was just such a such a contrast to the really Western ideal of being very afraid of death and death being a man and a manly man and a man who does violence upon you, right? Yeah. Um, this was just a soft woman ready to like gently take this child from her mother's arms and and lead her on right um i'd be interested to see like a gentle tempting story for hades and persephone where it's just like she's gently guided down to to you know tartarus by this suave man who i mean there are definitely versions of that right where he tries to seduce her first or she's she is in that way tricked to mm. walk down um where it's not so much a trick but yeah. it has to be interpreted as one maybe yeah. i don't know i yeah i mean well any story that i think is like the devil pretending to be like a regular man or whatever yeah which yeah yeah or or death being yeah, or the death. regular man yeah. or whatever uh i i always feel really weird about the death is a person and he's tricking another person and they're falling in love and it's yeah. just like yeah, how do you fall in love with how do you, yeah, how do you real do quick that? real quick how are you gonna how are you gonna make that how are you gonna drop that bomb yeah, I, i'm death <laughs> hey but i'm death <laughs> yeah what do you do for a living oh i kill people no. like a like a like a secret agent oh no 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 i, I, I kill everyone <laughs> i gather everyone's souls uh, and i'll kill you That'd be romantic, actually. That would be romantic. Death, if death is out there personifying some, uh, inhabiting a body, hey, I'm interested in that. You know that. what I would love to see? Uh, uh, death and the Maiden, but it's uh, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. I have no idea what Nick and Nora is. <laughs> <laughs> That's for the best. This is definitely for the best. It's got Kat Dennings and I think Michael Sarah in it. It's terrible. Good. Yeah, I'm my brother good. gave me the novelization version of it uh, for my 13th birthday. To this day, I have no idea why. I think he just grabbed it off the shelf at Target. Uh, death and the Maiden, but it's me lusting deeply after death. <gasps> death and the Maiden, but it's Ratatouille. Death and the Maiden, but it's Ratatouille. <laughs> death and the Maiden, but the Maiden death, is the death, rat. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it's controlling death. I... Ugh, the imagery. Give me more death in the maiden where it's just like completely off the wall. Yeah. Yeah. It's death like, ooh, I want a death in the maiden like romantic comedy yeah. where he like bungles it. Ooh, death in the maiden, but the the tooth fairy with the rock. Right? Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he like tries to seduce like the single mother while he's learning to be death. Yeah. I'm I, I actually I'm just talking about every Grim Reaper story ever. Pretty much. But I stand I, by it. Yeah. I, I just want one where I am deeply lusting after death and sending him love notes and it's really uncomfortable. You could he, do that now. I could do that now. That's just worse being in a death cult, right? I guess so. 
Ah. Yes. I mean, theoretically, you could just leave a note on your dresser and be like, this is for death. This is for death. XOXO. Gossip girl. XOXO. <laughs> gossip girl. A little kiss. Mm, little kiss. Into the mm-hmm. universe. Yeah. Yeah. Doing a good job. Doesn't get enough recognition. It's fine. <laughs> I think he's been getting a lot of recognition. Yeah. Ooh. Lately. Hey. Ooh. Grim. Grim time to be doing this one, huh? Yeah. Didn't think about that. Oof. Anyway, uh, how's the world out there? Um, don't want to know. Don't tell me. Tune uh, into my radio show where <laughs> I talk about death in a really romantic way while a lot of people are dying. Yes. <sighs> am I canceled yet? Can I, am I canceled? I, I'm canceled for sure. <laughs> All right, V. Uh, since you've been canceled, do you want to plug anything? Do you have anything you want to promote? Anything? Anything at all? Anything? Uh, I mean, obviously, I I am stoked on Laura Olympus. Please check it out. I'm so stoked to see it in animated form. Um, I I critiqued it a little bit, I guess, but that's I, how you show you like something. Though. Yeah, I I I critique anything I enjoy. Um, but I I think Laura Olympus is first of all very beautiful. Gorgeous. The art is gorgeous i would kill for an art book i am so very thirsty for athena and if anyone listens to it who has any influence at all please put more of her in there she's been in two panels she's been in two panels and she just like radiates big lesbian energy and i know she's like a perma virgin but like come on heavily hinted that she's actually in a relationship with hestia which i think is a great way around the rules very weird to me i'm not into that ship necessarily but i am the big thirsty for athena please give me more of her um but yeah no definitely check out laura olympus uh please watch macadio i think it is like one of the coolest interpretations of death uh and it's also like a really fucking sick movie and also more power to the mexican film um and outside of that, uh, write me fan fiction about me and death. Um, yeah. I don't know you. And if you are listening to this and you know me, then you are obligated to write fan fiction about me and death. If not, if you don't know me, then you can just write about a disembodied voice. Fucking death. Death listens to my podcast. Yeah. 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 Oh, sleepless in Seattle, but with death. Sleepless uh, in Seattle. <laughs> Parent trap. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, that requires children, which we can get a hold of if we need to. But, you know, anyway. Uh, all right. Well, this is the end of this podcast, I suppose. Uh, feels like we just started, but it has been like an hour. Yeah. Uh, all right. So if you want to find me, you can find me at uh, Kingdom Thirst on Instagram and Twitter. Please find me on Instagram and Twitter. I don't have any followers and I don't know how to get them. Hashtags don't work and I just look like a dweeb. Uh, you could also send me an email at kingdomofthirst at gmail.com if you have any suggestions, if you have any complaints, I suppose. If you want to cancel V, you should also send me your fan fiction uh, because that's necessary and I don't think V will come back on my show unless we get it. Um, what else? Uh, everything, all the links and such like to Laura Olympus, uh, The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, not the Medusa roller coaster. I'm sure you can find Please that. Please don't go don't on a roller coaster right Please now. Please don't go on a roller coaster. Although well ventilated. I guess. <laughs> I I don't know what theme park that's even at. Is it Disney World? Oh, I'm gonna get. Oh, like she's gonna box? make fun of me. Oh, I don't know. Well, she's gonna make fun of me. I. Why would we care about theme yeah, parks? Yeah, but I don't like being like. If like anything, she is a me. dweeb. For knowing. It's true. She is a dweeb. And it's embarrassing and she should feel bad. 
Paige should feel ashamed. Yeah, she should be embarrassed. If uh, you know a lot about <laughs> Disney World or Disneyland, you should feel bad and be embarrassed. Dang. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's two of my close friends. <laughs> yeah. That's like a lot of the people we know, statistically. Yikes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, like I said, if you have any suggestions, if you have any, if you know any authors who need a boost th- this coming holiday season, um, I'd be happy to give them a shout out on the show. Things are really hard. I'm trying to sell books as much as I can, uh, you know, trying to help out. So I'm going to add all the links to my bookshop.org account at the bottom, whereas I have like a list of all the books that we covered. There you can actually find all of the books we've covered so far, with the exception of, I think, two that are just not on there. Neglected. They're like, well, they're, they're Amazon exclusives, I think. Mm. Um, but the rest you can find there. And you support the podcast, you support the author, and you support indie bookstores when you do so. So head on over there. Take a look. Uh, spend that cash. It's the holiday season, y'all. I don't know. We're all lonely. Get books. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. I'm in a book. It's, it's been fun. Goodbye. Bye.